Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, and you can keep up with us on social media. You will find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. And also use that same handle to find us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. That's right, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spotify. Um, just keep naming, keep naming them and you will find us there. We are at Radio Islam USA. So take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, please do share. Now, before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Recycle Processes. Thank you for your continued support. And with that, Radio Islam family, we're going to get into today's conversation. And we have joining us on the line, Radio Islam culture contributor, literary critic, author of My Way to You. And uh, she's got an upcoming release, which uh, hopefully we'll get to hear a bit about in our conversation today. Uh, Layla Abdullah Pulos. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum. Assalamu so off the bat, tell us a bit about the upcoming book before we get into our conversation today. Um, the new book is book two in my brothers-in-law romance series. You read book one and I, loved it. I did. Yes, you did. Okay. Uh, this new title is Sweet Love, Bitter Fruits. Okay. And it is a story about Marcus Kent and Tony Kent. Now, we just met Marcus and Tony in book one. Mm-hmm. And they fell in love with them. And so I decided to give them their own story, especially since people were asking me a lot about how in book one, I, I mentioned that Marcus and Tony had was struggling with infertility. Mm-hmm. And so readers were asking about that. And I kind of really wanted to tell their story. And so that's what I did. Marcus, as we know in book one, is very confident. He's actually the leader of this pack of alpha males. Mm-hmm. And he is a, in social justice and community organizing. And he's confident and he has everything. To, he has his whole life together. And then his life starts falling apart around him. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. Now, is, is Simon in this book? Simon is in the book. OK. Regina is in the book. Okay. And Jeremy is in the book. Hmm. Interestingly enough, I actually had a reader. I was talking, I was on the line online and I was talking to a reader and I mentioned that Jeremy was in the book and the reader got really excited. Yeah, really. <laughs> and you also meet some new people. So you meet some of the new brothers. You meet Quinn Ang and Faisal Khan. Mm-hmm. Well, their books are a little bit later, but you get to meet them because they live in New York. Okay. All right. Well, uh, what's the release date? October 1st. October and 1st. And it's going to be available on Amazon, uh, print, Kindle, and Kindle Unlimited. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we're definitely waiting with bated breath uh, to get that first <laughs> that first uh, glimpse. Um, one of the things that you tackle in this book um, it is an interracial romance, right? So that's one um, interracial. Not this book. Well, Not no, no. I'm sorry. In the oh. first book, in my way to okay. you, that was one of the things that you you uh, you addressed in it. But you also addressed another issue that I think is pertinent to our conversation today. Uh, today mm-hmm. And that was violence against women. So mm. I'm not going to give away anything for those who have not read the book. So you need to read it. But that um, violence against women against African-American women in particular, and we could yeah. by extension say uh, violence against women of color. Um, 
But in your book, that was something that you, you took on. Now, back in January, here's my segue. Back in January, there was this big fight that involved a bunch of um, school schoolgirls. Uh, I imagine like grade school ages. And this was in North Carolina at the Asheville Mall. So a video, somebody took video of this 11-year-old girl, and I don't think her name has ever been released, being punched, like right hook punch, you know, a hard punch from a six foot five, 250 pound man who happened to be white. She was knocked unconscious. Um, he was taken into custody by, I believe it was an off duty police officer and was released later on. And of course, a lot of, you know, a lot of conversation, uh, came up after people saw the video. Now, recently, he was not given any jail time, right? So when they ruled on it, he didn't get any jail time. What he got was an order to attend a racial, was it racial sensitivity workshop or something like that. So, you know, folks are just up in arms and, and I looked at the video, the 11 second video, which I'm going to, we're going to look at this video. Um, and then I found the full video. And I said, okay, well, how do I feel about this? How has this changed the way I see this? Or has it changed the way I see it? Let's well, give it's me... in the full video. So let's look, at the, let's look at the full video first, okay? So let's look at this video. Give me your initial, your initial yeah. thoughts. Any background as to what was going on at, at that time? Uh, from what I read, there was a dis there was some type of disturbance that was really just about the young people, and then I also read something that says uh, they were harassing mall goers. Right, this was at a mall, and. One of them happened to be this man and his, his family, or they are harassing his family, his wife, and they have a small child. I think that was in a stroller. Um, and he was responding to them or telling them to stop. Or I don't want to fill in any, any blanks, you know, other than what I could actually see. But I did see him turn around. It was a lot of commotion, and one of them pushed him in the back. And then when he turned around, another, I guess the other little girl walked up to him and he pushed her back, at which point she came back up to him yeah. with her, you know, fist balled up and he rushed him. Yeah. And he, he rushed him. Yeah. She rushed him and he, and he knocked her out. He knocked her out. Well, um, as a parent, I cannot see the justification of anyone hitting someone young like that especially someone half your size not even half not even half this man's size uh so i i don't i also know that in the society you know young people are, are, are becoming increasingly violent mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. including girls. Okay, because it seemed like I didn't, I don't know what the incident was about, but there was definitely a, some pack behavior going on there. Mm-hmm. It was a group, it was a large group, and whenever there's a large group, and it's not just young people, it's people, period. You get that pack mentality, and you get that bravado, and you start to do things that you probably normally wouldn't do if you were by yourself and weren't, and weren't so hopped up on the adrenaline yeah. <laughs> from being a part of this pack. And so all emotions ran high, and I think the adult just had had enough and did something which he should not have done, which was, I mean, really hit that girl. I mean, he pushed her. Mm-hmm. He pushed her pretty far. Yeah. So yeah. it's like punching is really like, I'm really going to deal with you. And that girl was laid out. That was a hard punch. That was like the way you punch a man. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a man, that's the way you punch a man. And that was a hard punch. And I hope that that young lady was not injured or anything like that, because that could break bones. A punch like that caused concussions, all kinds of things. Well, the punch and then the impact on the ground. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it could have definitely gone. um, It could have ended up really, really bad. But I'm assuming that based on the. uh, I guess based on the order from the, the judge, how it was dealt with that okay. she didn't sustain any lasting damage or they determined she did not uh, sustain any lasting damage. Um, but this is what got me about this. I mean, it's, it's multiple things. And I, I guess I'll start with this because we're in a racialized society. We are hyper-conscious of race uh, and we cannot help but to ask ourselves what would have been the outcome had this been a a black man punching an 11-year-old white girl, knocking her out, would he have been would, would would he have been given a suspended sentence? Would he have been given an order to attend a racial sensitivity workshop? Would that have been the end of it? And and would have those people who looked at it that supported him, would they still have supported him if this had this been an African American man? I can't speculate as to what anyone would have gotten in the justice system. It's so precarious. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that if it had been an African-American man, a white American man, an Arab American man, a Native American man, any man whatsoever clocking and knocking out an 11-year-old white girl, that they would be skewered in public opinion in society, definitely, if not gotten... Uh, stiffer sentencing and uh, in the legal system, but because, and we, I've mentioned this before, there is a tendency in this society, because of the racial messaging, to revere and value and protect white female bodies. Not saying that white women are not subject to violence. We all know that white women are subject to violence, subject to domestic violence. Sure. But in the broader society, and in the broader society, but there is a tendency to value and protect those bodies as well, and not so much to when it comes to black bodies, especially. Mm-hmm. Black women, black female bodies are consistently alienated from femininity, and our girls are criminalized more, 
they are seen as older and they're subject to all kinds of violence, domestic violence, state sponsors violence through um, police, through police force all of the time. And so seeing a black body wailed out like that mm-hmm. is not going to have the same immediate response from a lot of people that it would if it was a white girl. Cause that was a little girl. That wasn't like, you know, that was a little girl. And I mean, larger girls have it even worse. You know, they've done studies that um, people are more violent towards larger size black women, especially. Right, right. So it's just like, there are just layers to it, you know? And so I don't think it would have gotten, I think it would have gotten a much worse response if that would have been a white girl, no matter what the race of the man, period. Right. You know, I was, I don't want to say conflicted um, in looking at it because there's so many variables to it. Right? Number one, as a man, and he's listed, they describe him as, describe him as a six foot five, 250 pound man. That's a big guy, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big guy. I'm six feet and 240-ish. Um, uh, <laughs> But he is a, he is a. I like the ish. <laughs> but he is he is a big guy, and you think about, um, like what choices he could have made in responding to somebody that he outweighed probably probably by a hundred and fifty pounds, mm-hmm. right? Was that? I mean, should that have been taken into consideration? And I think it should have been. I think it should have been taken into into consideration, but I also feel like because our youth, men and women, right? But I think our our girls in particular are displaying more violent tendencies, more of that pack um, mentality and more of a, um, and more aggression. Mm -hmm. And I I think, so I'm I'm trying to, I'm, I'm wrestling with that in, you know, in, in responding to the, to the whole thing, right? Because I don't want to just look at one particular aspect of it and come away with a determination. Yeah. Um, what what do you, how do you see that playing into, uh, you know, in, into this incident and others like it, uh, where some of the responsibility is not just on the person that responds to you that already devalues you, or, you know, whether they say I'm a racist or not. Um, how much of that is on, this unfortunate uh, 11 year old? Well, I mean, and her friends. Yeah, and her friends. <laughs> and her yeah. friends. Well, you know, I, young people have not become more violent. You know, um, it may seem like that, but they haven't become more violent. You know, there have been studies done like 10 years ago that had somewhere around 20%. Mm-hmm. of violence is was perpetrated by females 12 between the ages of 12 and 17 mm-hmm. okay and when they broke it down according to race and ethnicity the two at the top the two races at the top were black uh girls at somewhere around 38 percent and white girls mm-hmm. at 25 percent around 25 percent so they 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 are there are violent elements in among teenage girls, okay? And also there is this just natural inclination towards 
and and I'm going to take it away from this incident, it, this incident in particular, and kind of uh, broaden it out to being a teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, and this this tendency to want to construct a hierarchy. Okay, teenagers construct social hierarchies. Okay, and they always have people at the top. I mean, you have the jock who is what is it varsity and the letterman and everything like that the head cheerleader the homecoming king and queen the best this the best that there are all these social structures and all these hierarchies and how they establish these hierarchies and and the methods and approaches that they utilize in order to establish these hierarchies can vary Mm. all right so it could be like you know i'm the toughest i'm the baddest okay and I could be the most violent. I mean, we had that when I was a teenager, and that was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) A long time ago. You know, I actually had the opportunity to traverse through different school systems because I moved around so much. Mm -hmm. And that was one constant, okay, was that, that there was all these social cliques and enclaves, and all of them had hierarchies, and all of them had someone at the top of that hierarchy. And how that person got there was, it, it, it could be very different. It could be whether or not it was just like the queen bee mm-hmm. who can be a very emotionally violent person and cause a lot of emotional damage. They get to the top rank by causing emotional damage, by making everyone else feel like they're lesser than them or they're lesser than. So they will bully, they will tease, they will, and it would negatively impact those, those around them, okay? Or it would be a queen bee that, is actually physically violent or at least lets everyone around her know that she's going to be physically violent okay when mm-hmm. i was in school her name was stephanie no one messed <laughs> it was first it was stephanie first it was stephanie then my sister deborah mm-hmm. came to the school and stephanie was afraid of deborah so the deborah ended up at the <laughs> <laughs> And she used to walk around all tough and everything, because she was. Mm-hmm. And she used to walk around all tough and everything like that. Okay. And, you know, when it comes to our young black girls, okay, when you think about the society that they're brought up in, all right, that immediately tells them, sends them the message that you're going to be more vulnerable to violence, mm. okay, from everyone around you. What do you expect them to do? Do you expect them not <laughs> to develop a means and method to protect themselves as much as possible, even if it a does thick come skin, off as, a thick skin, a thick skin, uh, never back down, never been. You're not gonna mess with me. I'm gonna tell you to your face, right. everything like that. Don't roll up on me and everything like that. And but what what do you expect? You know, mm-hmm. I have uh, I have three daughters, and mm-hmm. my oldest one is 21 years old. And she is not like me when I was her age. <laughs> you know, she's very, uh, she, she, she is not as prone to really being ready to knock the mess out of someone yeah. <laughs> like I was when I was her age. But I was brought up in a, a different social sphere than her. I was brought up in a different envi- environment than she was. She's brought up she was brought up in a very protective environment her family protected her Mm -hmm. all the men in her family protect her 
Right. Okay. Her father, her uncles, her grandfather, you know, that's what she was brought up in. The, the women in her family protect her, her mother, her grandmother, her aunts. And so she has a different outlook when it comes to that. She, she wasn't exposed to as much violence at different levels as I was. So she didn't have to have as thick a skin. Okay. She's is thickening up now because now she's in higher education and among a, a lot more racist people right. in the society. So it's thickening up a little bit, but she didn't have to take on the, the attitude that I had to take on mm-hmm. when, by the time I was her age. And even as I uh, converted to Islam and went into Muslim spheres where I had to have that thick skin, it, it actually served to protect me in a lot of ways. I had, because of the uh, horizontal violence that I experienced. So it's just like, what do you expect? If what do you have, what do you mean? Could you explain that term? What do you mean by horizontal violence? The horizontal that's vi- that's uh, violence in, inflicted on me by my fellow Muslims who are, are supposed to be subjugated by the society by this by this this white dominant society. Hmm. You know, I was subject to all kinds of emotional violence, racism, things like that. I was actually subject to physical violence as well, and oh, wow. you know, my thick skin served me because. I was jumped. <laughs> you were jumped by the, Muslims? I was jumped in the mosque during Ramadan. <laughs> Whoa. You know, Whoa. Um, oh, it was terrible. It was terrible, you know. I mean, I dealt with it, but it was just like, I can't imagine what would happen if, if my daughter was, would have been in that situation. You know, our young black women, so many of our young black women, have got to go out into society knowing that they're vulnerable to all kinds of violence wherever they go. So how in the world is it that we expect them not to have a thicker skin, not to put on a persona that you're not going to mess with me, that I'm going to fight you, that I will cut you. I was in the um, the city mm-hmm. a few weeks ago with um, Dilshad Ali. You interviewed her mm-hmm. from Hod Hijab. And we were walking down the street and this Muslim on all black face veil, everything uh, walked by us. And she like, she gave me salams. Like, uh, and I said, welcome my salam. And so I looked at Dilshad, I was like, that's a black Muslim woman there. Cause you could tell <laughs> by the way she's walking. So she's fully covered and you can right. tell by the way she's walking. First of all, she gave me salams. But right. also you can tell by the way she's walking. That was walking. the first, that was the first cue. Well, because I don't get it as much. I think right. that people that come from a uh, dominant, like uh, majority Muslim culture, that's all you see a Muslim. Right, right. It's not a big deal. <laughs> so you walk in the street, you're not going to give slaps to everybody you come across. So, uh, and the way she walked, uh, she walked like, I will cut you. Yeah, like, I wish you would. <laughs> I wish you would. But what choice is, like, really, in this society with all the violence that uh, uh, that you see, against Muslim women, against women, against black women. What else is she supposed to do? Now, people will turn around and look and like, look at that sister, look how she's walking, look how tough she is, look how mannish she is. Mm-hmm. But look at the society that she has to traverse through and she has to make it through her day. You know, she needs that. She needs that protection because where else is she, from where else is she getting it? Now, I'm not saying that what these, uh, that's why I said let's take it out from that situation yeah. and look at it broad, more broadly. And so you take, you, you take on this persona, but you carry it everywhere you go through life. 
You know what? You carry who you go through I, life, and so I, I would mm-hmm. add. I would add to that. Um, just in general, I think Blackish they did a show on this. The conversation that, unfortunately, many uh, African American families have to have with their sons, with their young people in, in, in general, but with their sons in terms of how they negotiate encounters with the police. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding that they're going to be seen more often than not as a threat and that mm-hmm. just their their presence uh, alone is going to be treated as a trespass, regardless of where they are, whether you, you know, you live in a neighborhood, you know, if, if it happens to be uh, what's looked at as an affluent neighborhood, if you happen to be um, at a school or whatever, wherever you are, there's there are certain people. And unfortunately, these are people who are in posi- uh, positions of power that will treat you as if you have no right to be there. And as such, you have to know how to uh, negotiate those encounters um, for African-American women. Seeing as how somebody gave me a stat, I think I talked with a, a rabbi that has been doing some work uh, uh, with as far as bringing more awareness to this. He says that 50,000 African-American women or women of color go missing every year. Mm-hmm. 50,000. Uh, mm-hmm. And not to and, and, and that's on top of the reported, um, uh, you know, violence that takes place, whether it's, it's uh, intimate partner violence, uh, whether it is uh, or, or whatever. It is state state sponsored mm-hmm. violence. Right. If we think back to uh, Sandra Bland, um, yep. these realities, they can't help but inform the way young women carry themselves. And I want to put this right back into that particular situation um, with this 11 year old girl who charged this six foot five, 250 pound white man mm-hmm. in North Carolina, mm-hmm. right? There's a particular kind of um, a mindset that that this 11 year old has adopted already. And of course we know that's related to, uh, we can say that's he's probably feeding off the energy of the group, but that says a whole lot. You think about, uh, you think about an 11-year-old who has possibly seen victimization of yeah. other women in their life. That's, I mean, it's maybe not in a direct family, but who has who has a sense that either you come hard or or you don't come at all. Uh, and 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 that's a part of the makeup, you know, that that our young people, our young women, are. You know this armor that they're putting on. I, I'm, I'm still conflicted, though. I'm especially Why are you as a father. Conflicted? I'm conflicted because, like I, I tell my daughters, um, do not accept anything less than a man treating you like a woman. Right. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow, that's a that's hmm? a vague term. <laughs> well, it, it is. Well, and you know what? It, especially talking to young people whose values. Uh, and, and, and norms are being shaped by music or, or just shaped by, you know, interactions popular that tell culture. you. Yeah, popular it's culture. Yeah, popular culture. That says otherwise. So Popular culture is extremely violent towards women. Yeah, I mean... Extremely th- violent and dehumanizing 
of women across the board, but especially, but you know, you can see, you know, when you're talking about the disappearance of women, Yeah. I, I believe I read one study, it was like Native American women. Mm-hmm. It's like incredible, the violence and them disappearing at these record numbers. And it's just like nowhere, like nowhere in the mindset of the broader culture to address that, that that's happening. Because again, you put more value on white bodies than mm. you do on black bodies or brown bodies uh, across the board. So it's just like, that's the way the society is. If you, it's not just rap music. It's not just rap music. No, it's not. Because there's violence, there's violence, there's violent depictions and, and, and hypersexualization of women and rock and country and everything like that. If you look at the, the, films and the the television shows that are coming out there's just increasingly there's increasing violence and even some of it may even just go under the radar i mean when you think about like crime shows yeah okay and how they in many ways fetishize a dead body mm-hmm. okay because they they have this dead body and they have it in this sensual pose a lot of times covered in makeup and everything like that so it's just like you know, just like that, that, that fetishizing of it as well. I mean, just across the board, there is this like this, this messaging to be violent towards women. And, uh, and also, or you have to layer on top of that, the messaging that black bodies are to be subdued, mm-hmm. black bodies are to be exploited, okay, by the white society. Okay, and so you definitely will have when those kind of things mix together, it's not surprising that you'll see that someone that it may not uh, hit a white woman that way yeah. will hit a black woman that way. Okay, the police officer. I, I still remember when I got hit, someone hit my car. Yeah. A white woman hit my car. She hit my car. She rear-ended me. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And she tried to flee the scene. And I, I took her license plate number down. I called the police. And the policeman came. And he spoke to her first. Well, he spoke to me for a second, then he went to talk to her. And then he came back and he said, but she said she was scared. And I'm looking at him like, she wasn't scared. She was a criminal. What are you talking right. about? She was trying to flee the scene of an accident. This presumption like, of innocence. I was supposed to, you know, appreciate that this white woman was afraid of me. Why? Because I have black skin. Right. <laughs> you know, why would she be afraid of me? I wasn't loud or anything. I didn't yell at her. I didn't threaten her. So what was it for, for her to be afraid of? It's because there is like this extra value that's added to it. And so our bodies are treated differently a lot of times. And and I mean, when they talk about having to have that talk with their sons, I had to have that talk with my daughters too. Yeah. And, you know, you have to look at the country's history of violence towards black women. I mean, really like look up modern, look at look up how modern gynecology came to be. Okay, they experimented on black women. All uh, branches, just about all branches of uh, medical uh, uh, science in the United States comes from their experimentation with mm-hmm. black bodies, grave robbing, uh, live, te- uh, you know, uh, uh, test subjects and all of that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, definitely. And I mean, they performed operations on black women. Yeah. What without anesthesia, because they figured they could take the pain more. And guess what? That still exists. They did a recent study, and I think something like 25% of doctors believed that black people didn't feel, could handle pain better. They yeah. didn't feel pain as much. Wanda, <laughs> yeah. you, know, so, you know Wanda Sykes, the yes. comedian? So I was watching her special, 
And she said she was talking just exactly about this. She said they sent me home after a double mastectomy with ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. She said they're giving people oxycodone for hamstring pulls. And they sent me home with ibuprofen after a double mastectomy. So, I mean, just to illustrate your point, I mean, it's, it's right there. Now, I still remember this video uh, on social media with a doctor. Uh, she was saying how they weren't listening. She was a cardiologist. And she was saying to her colleagues how they were not listening to black women. Like this one black patient, it kept coming. She, she came across this one black patient, went to doctor after doctor after doctor, who was telling her that she was just ima- basically just imagining things. And what she, what she was having was little heart attacks. Mm. <laughs> they, like they ignored her completely. So, I mean, we have to think about that that history of violence and negligence on black female bodies, mm-hmm. okay? That is a unique and particular thing, okay? Because you're talking about doctors. We're not, we're, we're not talking about just white doctors that do this, right. okay? So it's a unique and particular thing. And so that's the, that's the messaging that we definitely get as black women. Okay, for the most part, you know, very few of us are insulated from it. And so how is it that you're not supposed to build a persona to protect yourself from it? Mm -hmm. How is it that what else are you supposed to do? Roll over and die like they want you to? Be their mat like they want you to? You know, here's part of my my conflict that I was um, that I was getting to. I guess it's twofold. One is I hated to see this young girl run up on this man. Mm. That's that's the first part, because that goes against everything that I've uh, that I've taught my own daughters. You know, you don't get into a fight. You don't initiate a fight with a man. You just don't Mm -hmm. do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And the second part is as a man looking at another man who is responding to what I do not see as a threat. Right. There's there's five or six other things that come that that come to mind that he could have done, um, you know, that would have been far more appropriate and that I don't believe without knowing him, without knowing him and not trying to cast any, um, uh, I guess, not 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 getting in his head. But I find it hard to believe that he that he would have responded to an 11 year old white girl of the same size in the same, in the same fashion. I don't know. I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong, but I just don't think. I don't know. We don't know because, we don't. well, first of all, I'm always, you know, I, I totally agree with you. And I have uh, three girls, three boys. Mm-hmm. And my daughter's the oldest. Okay. My, 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 my oldest is, is, is my daughter. And so she has three brothers underneath her. Okay. And she used to be big sis. Okay. And used to toss them around because mm-hmm. she was a strong, she was strong for her age. Yeah. And I used to tell her all the time, I said, you know, they're going to be stronger than you one day. They may not be taller than you, mm-hmm. but they'll be stronger than you one day. Okay. Look at your father and look at me. I got mm-hmm. my husband by at least a hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's still, he can overpower me very easily. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's a lot stronger <laughs> than me. Yeah. And so I'm just like, they're going to be stronger than you one day. So you're going to want to remember that. 
okay, do not engage in any kind of fighting with them. And, you know, one of the things that she realized is that as she hit them, while, as they got older and she hit them more and more, those hits didn't matter as much because they didn't feel them as much. They, it didn't affect them as much, okay? And they knew not to hit her, mm-hmm. okay? But they would hit other things instead of frustration. And so I would tell her, you see that hole in the wall, okay? Because mm-hmm. they didn't want to put a hole in you. They can really hurt you. You have to understand that. And then my oldest just shot past her. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, she's five foot six. He's like six foot two. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. Okay. A wall of muscle. And so it's just like, you cannot engage in fighting anybody like that. Okay. Because they can do a lot of damage. And I tell the, the boys all the time, do not because... You may be thinking in your mind that, you know, I I got hit. I have a right to defend myself, and you do. Mm-hmm. But the damage that you can cause, okay, you will end up regretting right. the damage that you can cause. Because her hits don't hurt you, but your hits will definitely hurt her. I don't think women should take advantage of that, that the fact that I don't want any woman to take advantage of the fact that uh, his, uh, my son's parents, my, my son's parents have taught them Mm-hmm. Not to do that, to be more measured, to try to find another way out of the situation. And some women do. You know, you have cases of, of violence against men, uh, domestic violence, even out in a broader society. I mean, white women will be very violent towards black men. Okay, why? Because if they hit them back, all they have to do is call the cops and they seriously jeopardize their lives. Right. Okay. And so it's just like I, no woman should take advantage of that. And I don't think that people who have violence inflicted on them should be the ones to have the onus on them. Well, you should have done this. You should have done that. You should have done this. You know, like the famous Abraham Lincoln when he stabbed the dog with a pitchfork Mm -hmm. and the owner of the dog said, well, why don't you just go after hit the dog with the other end of the pitchfork? And Abraham Lincoln said, well, why didn't your dog come at me from the, his other end? (laughs) 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 You know, so, uh, I don't think the owner should be on the person. It looks so, like so take it back. High. Take it back to back to this situation. So the onus should not be on this six foot five, two hundred fifty pound man with an eleven year old who might have been one hundred and twenty pounds. The onus should not have been. I on think him. that it. Sh- I think that it should based upon her age. This is a young girl. Mm-hmm. Did he know that though? I mean, we could say, yeah, it was an eleven-year-old girl, but did he know this was an eleven-year-old girl right. he was dealing with? You know, um, people are gonna hate that fact, but you know, we have to think about it with clear heads. And it's just like I, I, the 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 tendency that someone, a black woman, would be treated so violently mm-hmm. is not something that's abnormal. No, it's it is not. Very normal. You know that happens. Um, the responses that they that people may get it may be that you know the black people will be like, look at what he did to this black girl. Right. Okay, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And there may be white people that just be like, well, what did she do? Because you know they always do that to us. Sure, you know, sure. what did you do to get shot? What mm-hmm. did you do? <laughs> <laughs> Why were you in your underwear <laughs> in your bed when the police came in? Yeah. That's why you got shot, because you were in the underwear in your bed when the police came yeah. in. Why'd you raise up your hands 
when the police busted into your house. You shouldn't have done that. You should have you know? known better. And meanwhile, they just had they just had uh, this white male uh, suspect of a, of a triple homicide. Mm-hmm. Okay, police found that he was jogging around naked. Okay, yeah. running after the cop. Okay, mm-hmm. cop was avoiding him because he's a naked man, I guess. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> just like a naked man, forget it. <laughs> and uh, he started strangling somebody right there in front of the police, and then started jogging around again. Okay. Being naked in the street would get a black person killed. It's like, oh, he was naked in the street. Pop, pop, pop. That's <laughs> that. So it's just like we know that this violence, this this level of violence, is something that is not abnormal in the society because of the messages that are sent about black bodies, about black female bodies. And so I think that's disturbing mm-hmm. in and of itself. But I don't know if in this particular situation, it's just like. He only did that because that was a black that was a black girl that did it, and not not because that was a white girl that did it. Well, they they mentioned, uh, you know, as I said, I couldn't give it to you uh, verbatim, but I recall reading something about his family being uh, feeling that his family was threatened, or okay. his his wife being involved in an altercation with one of these young people at some point, um, oh. you know, in this whole conversation. Um, but the, like I said, the longer video shows it gives a bit more detail because there's, there's an 11 second video which just shows him pushing the girl and her running up on him and him hitting her. The longer video, which we took a look, look at, showed him kind of spinning around and, you know, going from one person to the next, I guess, talking to people or shouting or arguing, yeah. or whatever. And one of them runs up behind, pushes him. He turns around and that that person has you know ran away and then all of a sudden he's pushing this other girl so it, it shows yeah. that there was very much it looks very much like this like you're surrounded kind of this like this pack yeah. mentality um but i go back to i go back to i shouldn't say i go back to it but i, I i'm looking at all of these different variables and of course it's always easier to dissect something after the fact um, but well, that's why he got it. Did he get arrested? Uh, well, they they took him in initially, right? But then he okay. was released later on, and okay. you know, and of course, their com- you know the 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 contention uh, between folks is well, you know, uh, white white people in general who who looked and saw what happened, they're like, well, they're applauding him. You know, you're doing what her parents didn't do, or you taught her a lesson, and it didn't. It shouldn't matter what color the person was and all this other stuff. And it's like, <laughs> come on, man, where, where are you living? I, I, I love, I love when, uh, white people get sanctimonious. I'm going to generalize here. Yeah. <laughs> I love when they get sanctimonious because where I live is majority white. Yeah. Okay. And I have some really nice neighbors. I have some not so really nice neighbors, you know, because they're human beings. It's not because of the color of their skin. It's because they're human beings. Mm-hmm. And these white kids out here are running a muck, brother. They're <laughs> 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 the cops are chasing them down too. Not a muck. <laughs> Not a muck. How are you gonna sit up there and moralize and stuff like that? You know, it's just like how are you and how are you gonna say you did the right thing by hitting a child? 
Mm-hmm. How are you going to say that? How is how is anyone even like even out of the, the the heat of the situation? He did it in the heat of the situation. He did it. Could he even feel anything but like like a total jerk for hitting a little girl? Because that's at the end of the day, that's what he did. You're a grown man and you hit a little girl. Mm-hmm. What justification is that for you as a grown man? Even if you he'd know? have slapped her, that would have been better. Okay, so now do you remember Eight Ball Jacket? Yeah. Yes. Do you remember Eight Ball Jacket? Yes. Yes, okay. I remember Eight Ball Jacket. And what happened? But I think she was grown. I think she was a grown woman, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she looked like so a 20 something year old. Subway. Okay. Uh-huh. This guy who is huge. Yeah. Okay, over six feet. Yeah, he's like uh, a six foot five guy. Yep. Yeah, six foot five had to be way over two hundred pounds to, mm-hmm. you know, like like huge guy, and he was harassed by this these young people. Yeah, on the, well they were harassing a lot of people, and then he said something. Right. Okay, and so then they went in on him, and he kept on saying, "Why are you messing with me?" Like that type of thing, and the girl, the young woman. Was fired towards him, hit him in the head with a stiletto heel. Yeah. Twice. Mm-hmm. The second time she hit him, because the first time he didn't do anything. The second time she hit him, he turned around and smacked her across that subway. Mm-hmm. And then her male friend came to her defense. And he got beat down. Yes, he okay? did. <laughs> he got beat down. So now this woman was violent towards this man. Yeah. Okay. And he hit this woman back. Okay. And what were people saying? Okay. He got arrested, but he got released too. But what were people saying? He did the right thing. She 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 assaulted him. She did this to them. She did that to them. Now he was not a white male. Okay. And so maybe the dynamics, because there's so much violence from whites on black bodies, socially, through the legal system, law enforcement, everything like that, because there's so much violence. I mean, you had the uh, the white security guard slash retired police officer who flung a student because she refused to get up out of her chair. He picked her up and flung her across the room. Yeah. So with the pictures of that constantly uh, in, uh, being uh, shown, okay, which shows a real problem, real issue. What happens when is this a matter? When it is a matter of, I can't say just a matter of, when it is a matter of someone who was being harassed, who reacted poorly, but reacted. Right. Okay. And so, when is it that it's? I, I don't think that it's possible that that can happen. Only because that that this person will ever be seen anything as uh, except a large white guy beating up on a little black girl, right? Because that's the way that the society is. There's so much violence that occurs on a daily basis on black female bodies by white people mm-hmm. that you can't help but see it through that lens. You can't divorce. You can't divorce. It does. It's not an isolated incident, regardless no, of isolated. yeah, regardless of how. He was feeling um, in that particular moment. And the last thing I want to bring up here is one of the responses. Well, not just one. I think this was echoed quite a few times um, when I looked at the clip. And the question was, 
where are the black men? Where no matter it's just said where are the men at? You know, when looking at the situation. And of course that like translate that. yeah, that translates into honestly it translates into where is the protection for black women? Where is the protection? Oh. And that's that's I mean, I've seen I saw a video of a fourteen year old girl, I think this was in Texas, uh, get body slammed by a police officer who showed up. I think mm -hmm. they were having like a block party or something pool, like that. Pool party. Yeah, pool party. Yeah. And he body slammed her and her father was standing there. Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't think it's a question of just about where the men are. It is how does the image of how does the image of black bodies, the value of our bodies, how does that change uh, yeah. in society so that yeah. we're afforded the same protections as everybody else? We can, so we can be human beings. It hasn't. Quite honestly, it just hasn't. I mean, as uh, the society becomes more diverse, I think it just actually has lessened mm -hmm. because now you have more proximity. And unless you're insulated by someone who's privileged by the system, then you're just running into more people who have the same messaging that your body, because it is a black body, should not be trusted, is more criminal, and is less human. So any violence inflicted upon it is going to always be somehow justified. That happens everywhere because of the racial messaging in the society. It happens in mosques, mm -hmm. okay? Before Muslims try to feel like, oh yeah, we don't do it. Yeah, you do it too. Right. You know, and so it's like, that's the situation. That's that's the way the society is right now. And we have to recognize that. And our, and our, and our young people recognize that. That's the, way, that's the reason why they behave, they behave the way they behave. They have to protect themselves. And I don't like that idea of um, where were the black men at or where were the men at, okay? Mm. Because usually that's black people who say it, yes, honestly. Yes, exactly. Yes, absolutely. It puts, it puts culpability on men in a way that isn't necessarily fair. Mm -hmm. Because is it that women should be able to tra traverse through the society without having to worry about having such, that level of violence inflicted upon them? at the drop of a hat, that's what the problem is. Not that there was, there didn't happen to be, there needs to be a black man everywhere, every time, every place, at every instant, mm -hmm. you know, you know, how real is that? Yeah. How and, real is that? And what that really does, in addition to it puts, it puts women in a position where you, you are really uh, jeopardizing your own freedom of movement. Yeah. Because you know, if I don't have a man with me, I can't go. And yeah. that sounds very familiar, very, very similar to some other societies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think but it's a slippery slope. The, but sometimes that is a reality, too. You know, there are. Um, OK, so Papa Bear is very old fashioned mm -hmm. person. Yeah. OK. And so his, a lot of times when I have to go somewhere he hates it like he hates it he's not one of those i'm gonna lock you up type of people yeah. but he does not like it he does not like me to go to the city mm -hmm. <laughs> justifiably so because i get lost all the time <laughs> <laughs> and so whenever i have whenever i do have to travel 
it affects him a certain way and he'll take me yeah he'll take me like he'll rearrange the schedule and take me like we i just had to do a training in baltimore and so he's like okay all right and so he packed his bag and drove me down there <laughs> only because he see he has seen where it, there there have been instances where I, where i have been vulnerable and i mean honestly I, there was one time i was in a walmart and i it was in i think it was in baltimore it was somewhere in maryland and i was i was with my son who is like around my height mm-hmm. but half my half my size okay right. very svelte young man and uh he was somewhere else in the walmart and this guy approached me and, and, and kept talking to me and following me around the store okay yeah and i put on my brave you know it didn't affect him <laughs> a single bit i you know i puffed up you know like a puffer fish yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't affect him and then when my son came, now remember, he's smaller than me. Mm-hmm. He came up, the guy disappeared. He was like, oh, gotta go. And he like left when this little man came along, you know? And, you know, sometimes that, that is the reality. The reality is that you can be safer. It's a sad commentary on society overall. Yeah. It's a sad commentary on society overall that you're less safe because you're a woman because you're a black woman, because you're a Muslim woman, that is a sad, sad, sad commentary on, on society. I don't, I, I have an expectation that the men in my social life will want to protect me. Yes. And uh, that's fine. But are they going to be everywhere all the time? No, I don't think that should be put on men. I think that we should, we need to really kind of address the societal issues that are, that's causing all of this violence, this propensity towards violence towards women. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, me and uh, Papa Bear, we share that 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 same type of concern for our wives. Um, uh, you know, I'm I'm very much the same way um, with Aisha and her going particular uh, places. But for the, you know, I mean, some places if you if you know it's popping in this particular spot, this is yeah. not yeah. you know. You don't need to be there. Well, I can um, go anywhere I want in Nassau and Suffolk County. So Long Island, yeah, that, yeah, I can go anywhere I want. Doesn't bother him. As soon as I say, oh, I got to go to Queens or Brooklyn, or man, he's like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to get there? Yeah. Like, go with your mother. Go with your mother. Yeah. No, just go. <laughs> yeah. And my wife, you know, my wife is a, is a former military police officer. Yeah, um, strong you know, woman. Yes, I mean, you know, she can. Well, I mean. That's that's not something that is a bad thing, and men shouldn't feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it should be exploited to, to control anyone, okay? Because women should be able to have their own time, own autonomy and agency. Right. But they also should be be safer. Right. They should be safer in the society. We have examples in, in, in the lifetime of the Prophet Islam. But it's just like they, those the, the Muslim women, the, the Sahabiyat, they were they were they they were subjected to violence and everything like that, and the men took care of it. Mm-hmm. They took care of it too, you yeah. know. Um, uh, if I remember correctly, fact check, uh, Radio Islam people. Okay, when the men and women of Mecca went to Medina. One of the things that the men in Mecca found so disturbing is that the women in Medina did not play that. Like they were, (laughs) 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 you know, like they were very strong, strong minded uh, uh, women. And so it was it was a bit of a culture shock for them. 
and they influenced the Mexican women, and they needed to because you know someone had to slice off the heads when they tried to break it. <laughs> you know, so it's just like when you have when you we should have a safer society, and we shouldn't be so intimidated by women of strength. And if you see that. Again, it's just like, look at these young girls that they have to have this facade and this persona. I'm not talking about in this particular incident. Right. I'm talking about period. Right. That they have to have this facade and persona in order to protect themselves at, at, and it's glorified in popular culture. You yeah. know, what is it that we can do to kind of promote a cultural shift? Sometimes nothing. Okay, because young people, you know, it, it you know, you have a lot of hormones, you have a lot of things going on in your life and everything like that. And so you're going to react and respond and behave a certain way. But the, the, that that means that the leadership of the parent generation, mm-hmm. of, of those in power, becomes all the more important. You know, you think about those mm-hmm. young uh, bull elephants that were, well, this is a long story, I'm not going to get into it, but... Uh, nature shows the same thing that if there is there if there are not balances if they're not boundaries um, then man you know then then things get oh, yeah. really really bad really adolescents chaotic get, adolescents get violent yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> they get more and more violent so they how you them. how you deal with that unruly youngster says yeah. as much about your own awareness of your own development. Uh, and their potential development as, as well, and your responsibility towards them, how you deal with that. So it's a lot we could say about this particular uh, in- incident, but just in general, to respond to that unruly uh, youngster as if they are fully formed. I'm just going to agree with you and say that we have a lot of work to do to try to ensure the safety of, uh, of our women, uh, ensure the safety of our African-American, our women of color in particular, those who are most often victimized. Um, and, and there's got to be a, a blueprint yeah. for it. It just can't be we need to do it. You know, I, and I think a lot of it does start with yeah. uh, the things that, that shapes uh, shapes our values. Uh, and I, I have to go back to entertainment as being one of those things, uh, not just education, but our our music. Our, um, our our movies, our, you know, I think all of that plays a big part of it. Not the only part, but I think it plays a part. Um, do we have any uh, an announcements before we uh, get out of here? Anything going on that the uh, family needs to know about? Well, the Muslim Art uh, Awards Center, that's going to be happening soon. So if you go on muslimart.org and get more information about that, there's going to be an award ceremony of change makers. There's going to be a fabulous dinner of speakers. There's going to be a silent auction. Okay. Okay. Muslims is uh, sending some stuff in for a, a silent auction as well. Uh, I have a new podcast. <laughs> okay. Layla writes love the the woes and triumphs of a romance author. I really wanted to have an opportunity because I get to in DMs mm-hmm. and everything like that, kind of like talk to other authors and readers about the my writing process and things I go through. So now I want to share that more with people. So it's available on Google Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Lips, and a whole bunch of other ones. So you can find out more about that on my website, uh, www.lelawrightslove.com. Okay. 
my new book is coming out and i also have a a a muslim romance novella series coming out yes so be on the lookout for that as well and the black muslim reads we're getting submissions the nba muslim black muslim reads we're getting submissions. We're waiting on a certain um, imam submission. <laughs> Man, I'm Still so imams. Still haven't imams. gotten it. I'm going to have to give this out, send out some reminders to some people. But the stuff that I'm getting uh-huh. is really, really great. I, I, and hopefully we'll be able to have it published in Black History Month like we want to. So go on patios.com slash blog slash NBA Muslims for more information about that. And like I said, Submit, 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 submit. So you need to know all the great stuff that Black Muslim writers are doing out there as well. All right. Thank you so much, Layla. It is always a pleasure. Folks, that is our show for the day. We thank you for joining us. And, of course, invite you, as always, to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours at and to follow us on social media. You use that same handle at Radio Islam USA. All right, folks, I am your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We remind you that the views expressed by the host and or guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. With that, we are going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.